Hey everyone, you're listening to the Simple Electronics Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, from the Simple Electronics YouTube channel. And today's episode is sponsored by PCBWay, but more about that later, because right now I want to introduce a very special guest. You probably know who he is, at least from the last episode, because you listened to all the episodes, right, folks? Bit Looney, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, I know you uh, quite well now from either your live streams or your videos and your last appearance on the podcast, but do you want to introduce yourself to those people who might not know you? All right. So my my YouTube name is BitLooney, but also my, my friends in real life call me Looney. Um, and I'm a YouTube maker now. So I'm doing this uh, full-time for quite some time. And what I do on my channel is uh, mainly electronics, but... I also like to do, like, make other stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what I do. Your videos are absolutely just ridiculous, um, if I can say so myself. If uh, you think of most YouTubers, they usually have a concept and they explore it and then they make a video out of it. But it seems to me like the concepts that you're exploring sometimes could be written in scientific research, um, for concept? example... <laughs> yeah. What about your DIY uh, sonar scanner? That oh, thing was pretty yeah. nuts. Yeah, that was the last good one that I made. <laughs> good one. Yeah, right. I liked all your videos, really. I, I hit, you know what? We can go back and I can show you. I hit the like button on all of them. So. Oh, there. really? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. And um, in fact, you've been, you have been doing this for a while, but you're telling me that um, coming up is going to be your 10-year anniversary, right? Yeah, in August this year, it's 10 years now that I'm doing that. And I'm doing it full-time for, oh, it might be even like seven years now. No, no six, six years, maybe. Yeah, something like that. So uh, 10 years anniversary this August, and it's a chaotic uh, 10 years because... I have like, it will be probably clickbait because I have like to uh, close my my workshop here or my lab because we are moving. Um, we purchased a new house, which I don't have much space there. I still hope that I will like convert the shed to a new lab. But this lab, which I'm in, which is very spacious, um, I have to close it uh, in August, actually, <laughs> when the the tenth birthday is of of my channel. So, are you uh, are you basically renting now and moving to the first house you own? Is that is that how that works? Yes, yes, yes. So we moved from the city, like uh, with my spouse. We when we moved together, like um, this is now four and a half years ago. Uh, we wanted to rent a house because I lived in a freestanding house before with a garden and I really don't want, want wanted to go back to a flat in the city. Um, so we were looking for to rent a house, but basically the rent, renting prices in cities like for houses even close to the city were so ridiculous. With my, uh, uh, with my measly YouTube money, I, I can't afford like thousands of uh, euros to pay pay for like a lab or whatever so we just rented a quite big house um on in the sticks basically here and um now we were looking for like two years to find something really cheap cheap like to renovate it ourselves because um i assume i'm 
handyman as well, <laughs> at least. At least I will try. It will, it will be the first house. So we bought like a really cheap house now. Um, and uh, but it's small, but I have a, like a shed that I can convert to, um, yeah, like to a workshop and I will have a dedicated room for for streaming and so on. Yeah, that's, you know, win or lose, if you do the renovations while on camera, at least here in Canada, you can claim all those expenses under um, under your business. Yeah. And so you can get like a, here in Canada, it would be about 15% tax reduction for every, um, you know, every dollar you spend. So. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You can in Germany. I, I don't want like to, to say anything false, but um, yeah, the, you can, you the deduction on on like stuff that you use for your work is very there are good options for that but i don't want like you have of course like you have like to it has to be for for like if, if i keep like the drill that i buy and use it for my private stuff then it's not for for like the youtube stuff so apparently you can deduct it fully mm, oh. but i i mean like i would I would like to document uh, what all the stuff that I do wrong. <laughs> I will get notified in the comments after I did them wrong. So I would like to document everything maybe on YouTube or whatever, like vert uh, vertical video formats and TikTok or whatever. Um, but um, to, to maybe get even like stuff sponsored, like tools can be expensive, especially or, or what, whatever um or solar panels or whatnot um but uh it i i don't think that my audience will like it they uh, i i recently just noticed that whenever i do something else than electronics like uh, i see like when i do pcbs and uh, vgas and ping pong balls or whatever that is always gets gains many views and whenever i try to do something about solar i mean my my solar videos are not that good but i that's that's genuine genuinely how i use the stuff so i put just a few solar solar panels on the, my flat roof and they are there for years now and they work and uh, that saves me money and i like to share this but uh, yeah, not many people enjoy those projects somehow. I don't know why. Now, I don't believe you that the solar panels are still on the roof because um, you put the solar panels basically propped up on a piece of wood. And I read the comment section and the comment section said that at the lightest breeze, those solar panels are going to fly off your roof. So I don't believe that they're still there. It's, they it are, can't be. They're heavy. They're like <laughs> 30 kilo, 35 kilograms. And uh, when we get wind, we don't get like shear winds. So they're they are basically the direction of that. Um, so that's like um, the garage is pointed um, down the hill. So when we get wind, the wind goes up the hill. So they get like the frontal attack from the wind that that they they are basically there is no shear winds that would basically uh, go underneath the panel and just <laughs> we, we had really strong winds in the past years here and they never moved 
So yeah, but you're you're saying that the comment section is wrong. I don't. I mean, they can't be wrong. They've never been wrong, right? <laughs> no, I get like most of the times the the comments are, are really really good. I got many good advice from the comments, so I don't want to flame. <laughs> but they are also haters. Yeah, they are, of course. Yeah, it's, I, it's their job on YouTube. But it, it's I I have even like proof in the last the solar solar video or the the power pack and um, hourly energy price video uh, I went this, this was the first time I was on the roof since one year and the panels were basically so dirty after the winter that I had to clean them so the panels have to be there all the time except for the one that I just added to to the two panels that were before so every new video I just add one panel to to the set um, the, and the funny thing is most of the time I get the new panel but I'm too lazy to climb up the, the flat roof and put it on top of the roof. That, that's why the panel is sitting like for half a year in the garage. And that's really bad because basically it's free money. It is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking as someone that has 300 watts of solar panels sitting about 10 feet away from me in my workshop, uh, instead of outside in the sun, uh, yeah, completely <laughs> wa <laughs> complete waste. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so about the last. So now, um, if if someone's wondering if I'm using like the actually the power pack that that uh, that I basically advertised in, in that video, um, I'm I actually used it to charge my car even because now I have like two micro inverters on my my grid. Even though that might be a gray gray a gray zone uh, here. Um, I have like two micro inverters and all the panels are tied to the to the um, grid tie inverters and I don't have like I have only a 100 watt panel extra from like the beginnings of my channel whatever and I use that 100 watt panel to charge the power pack and I drained it to the uh, to the car and I recharge it and it gains now about, with the sunny days, it gains now about like 7% uh, a day of charge, which is not much. So I need really, I need to get new panel uh, quite soon, like uh, 600, well, it, it can charge with up to 1000 watts, which is crazy. I need to get like three new panels or like two big panels to uh, charge the, the battery quicker. And I will certainly uh, try to use it for the construction side. So if we do some renovations or my shed in the new new house, um, I have a use for, for the battery pack there. So are you saying the battery pack gets 7% per day or your car yeah, gets 7%? The, no, the, 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 <laughs> the battery pack. And uh, basically we have no, like uh, we have a base load here, this house here, I don't know, it's quite old. We have like a and and there is an old, also an uh, old built-in fridge and uh, um, in the kitchen, uh, so the constant load is about four hundred watts for this house, which is quite a lot because uh, I don't know I, I don't know the energy prices are quite different all over the world. It was it's quite high here in Germany, and now like the grid tie inverters they basically cover that 
through the whole day, they cover the base load plus a little bit. Sometimes it's like uh, I have like extra 400 watts, but it's not enough like to 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 uh, put on turn on the washing machine or whatever. So so 400 watts are not enough. Like I can turn on my PC and then basically we are at zero consumption during the day. Uh, that's it. And whenever we do anything else or even charge the car, then then the grid tie, uh, inverters are not covering that at all. So I don't know. I, then, yeah. Yeah, I I love I love the concept of uh, free electricity. Like once the solar panels are paid, um, yeah. until they wear out, that's all free. And I live here in Canada, in Ontario, where we have some of the highest electricity rates in North America. What what are the rates? Um, let's see. So uh, on peak, it's uh, twenty four cents per kilowatt. Uh, oh, ultra low overnight tiered. Wait, wait, hold on. Oh, you have also hourly hour. Oh uh, hourly. yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, it's horrible. Um, no, that's good. I well, mean, you can you can build your life around that. <laughs> I do, and, and I do. We only do laundry after seven seven p.m. Right? And that's um, that's cool. I, I think I think this concept is really great because um, basically, if there is not like an abundance of energy, you can you can basically balance the grid this way. You you incentivize the people like to not do all the stuff during the peak uh, hours. Well, the problem is that, like, it's summer, so it's hot. So, like, yeah. this weekend, uh, it was 35 degrees in the middle of the day, which means that our AC is running in the middle of the day when it's the most hot oh, and AC. most expensive. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have that in Germany. <laughs> so, on peak, it's uh, 15 cents per kilowatt hours. Uh, yeah. Mid-peak, uh, which is sort of like... Um, you know, like like sort of like the shoulders, like the mornings and the evenings is uh, 10 cents per kilowatt hour. And uh, off peak is uh, 7.4 uh, cents per kilowatt hour. So that's at night. Oh, wow. Wow. That's really cheap. And that's Canadian, Canadian dollars. Canadian yeah. rubles. Yeah, yeah very rubles. much so. Oh, right. Okay. No, that's, that's a huge difference. Uh, apparently. Yeah. Uh, in Germany, it's quite uncommon to have like an AC really in the private sector it's most mostly like in commercial buildings you have like acs or uh, cars of course but uh, um, not not in private homes we just open the window yeah <laughs> or close Luft it or close it if it's too hot outside it's yeah. luftin right is that what Luft you guys call yeah, it yeah luftin yeah there we go cool. uh, <laughs> that's you're probably uh, seeing quite a lot of tiktoks or vertical videos about luftin in germany yep Especially because it's uh, problematic for transplants, because there's a lot of um, people who, let, like, let's say Canadians who marry yeah. um, Germans, because the Germans apparently they they still do it in the winter here when it's like minus thirty. They'll open the windows for like ten minutes every day. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, and we have like even this kip. Kip is like when when the the window opens, like uh, it, it basically. Um, tilts towards yep. you like that, that's that's like if you do a little little bit of lifting <laughs> <laughs> a mini lifting <laughs> yeah so I, I think the difference uh, is how the houses are made because most of the time we have like brick houses and so they don't get really hot during the day they they can basically conserve like the temperature over a long period of time and if you have like a framed wooden wood framed house it prob probably heats up 
much faster during the day and even cools faster. I don't know. That's possible because we're only timber frame here because yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, we have to cut down the trees to build the houses. So we might yeah. as well use timber frame, right? Canada's yeah, a massive... Abundance yeah. of wood. Yeah, that's... that's. Uh, and um, so usually like brick brick house houses like especially the old ones you will get like mold most probably if you don't uh like vent the house quite often so that's why we here in germany are basically trained to to do it quite often otherwise you get condensation maybe even so that's that's one explanation that i can think of I mean, we're gonna. You're the expert between both of us. That means we're just gonna take your explanation as truth. What? Why am <laughs> I am an <a> expert <laughs> in in German culture for yeah, sure? German culture for sure, but I don't know much about like Canadian culture, except for like the uh, timber framing channels that I watched. <laughs> there we go. And even weirder is that. Uh, to me, it doesn't make sense. They use nails uh, instead of screws. I, I think screws is. I mean, it just makes most sense, but I think nails are a lot easier to drive in, so yeah, it's faster. But yeah. then your house squeaks when it when it there's wind. It's weird. A apparently, nails are more durable than screws. Screws can break. Oh, that because, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, they're, they're nails never break. They can bend, but they don't break. But like our spirit. Always, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As electronics YouTubers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What is it? What is it that you like about the about the solar stuff? I love the fact that it's free energy. Yeah. But is there something that draws you to it? That's more. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm so crazy now about like this hourly pricing. I we didn't have that. So oh, for comparison, um, I paid like forty five cents a kilowatt hour before. Oh my I god! Got, before I got this new contract with with this hourly prices, which is basically market price plus grid costs, and the grid costs are like grid costs and taxes are fourteen cents on top of the market price and uh, that that's what you pay as a total and um, what happens right now is that we have a lot of wind and uh, solar energy because there's like and it, it's not um, I don't know there's like a huge abundance during the day and um, we get negative prices all the time on on the market but you have like to add like the 14 cents. It's exported basically to the neighboring countries um, most of the time. And we have some like uh, like pump storage. How do you call that? Like the water. Oh, like like hydroelectric storage. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But we have only few of that. So basically the the energy is like even like negative price sometimes but you can rarely get like a negative price at home and i'm now like totally obsessed with uh, with this uh, i can i can say it it's it's tibber um so you have like an app and you attach like a device an iot device to to your uh, thing and um basically you see all the time what's your consumption and what the prices are in the next hours and so on. And now we really like to, to optimize the heck out of it, even my spouse, like to get like the super cheap prices of uh, sometimes it's like we have like, uh, so yesterday I charged the car with like for nine cents a kilowatt hour 
which is crazy because then I get like a range of 100 kilometers for one euro 50, which, which with a, with a combustion car, I can only dream, dream of that. That's like crazy. You can only get a, about a, a half liter or a third of a liter for that. Yeah. Yeah. And even like with my, my Ford, that's, that's, that takes like, uh, six liters per hundred kilometers. Yeah. That's now, uh, one liter costs about one fifty, one sixty. I'm not going to tell you how much my Volvo consumes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm averaging 11.3 at the moment liters per hundred. Yeah, it might not even like make sense to to be so obsessed without uh, about that, but because the average price over the day is like twenty five cents, which is already a lot lower than the forty five that I paid before, um, and but but just like looking, okay, yeah, I can t uh, turn on the dishwasher during the peak uh, energy uh, production. It already like. Uh, yeah, it's, it's satisfying. And, and solar on the roof is even crazy. Like, with the, with the um, grid tie inverters, just to see like on my um, Tiba also that I have, oh, now I have like spare 200 watts that are basically because you don't get paid for the energy that you put back to the grid. It's basically lost. We don't have contracts like that. Like that. There are contracts, but you have basically separate the energy production from the intake. So it's really complicated here right now. So all energy that you put back to the grid is, is lost here. So if, whenever I see, oh, wait, we have like minus 200, minus 300 watts right now, then I just turn something on. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm now, or charging devices or whatever, or charge the car during that time, just, just not to, to like waste that it's not wasted but um yeah it's sort of wasted i get what you mean and it does make sense also to have your car as a sort of like a solar load right instead of sending it back to the grid for free you might yeah, as well yeah. store it can you do v2l with your car can you draw no, power from your no, car no no i can't and now with the knowledge that i got from from the video with um with the battery pack um so i i found like this this uh, one paper that the study about lithium iron phosphate batteries which basically um, took a look like the cycle the, the charging cycles the like lifespan that you can get out of batteries and it's not it's it's really like expensive to like a charge charge cycle is really expensive still on batteries and if you have like a car and you have like limited charging cycles, you don't really want like to break the battery or I don't know. I, I would like to have it for some occasions when there is like a, a truly negative price for me as well to charge. We had that like recently, it was like minus one cent or whatever. So you got paid for by Tiber to consume energy, which is, which is really crazy. You can charge your car and you get paid for that. So we had like a unicorn day like that recently. So um, and if there is if there is like a day where where the energy is like really expensive, uh, it can reach like thirty five cents, which is not expensive like for me because I was like really ripped off the last year where we had like this energy crisis with 
with uh, the Ukraine war and so on, um, we had like much higher prices back then. It was like 60 cents or something per kilowatt hour, which, which, is, which was really crazy. Ridiculous. That's, yeah, yeah, you can't supposed imagine to live. Yeah. You leave the lights off. And that was, that was basically because, um, because of the gas prices. There was yeah. like no, no gas from, from uh, Russia. It was like no, not re reliable. Then the pipeline got blown up and, and so on. So the, the addiction that we, that we had like from, from the gas was instantly <laughs> cured. And uh, we tried, like Germany tried to, uh, before we had like energy, LNG terminals like this, uh, to get like this liquid gas from anywhere else. Um, because Germany was still like really dependent on the fo fossil fossil uh, fuels like like gas. Um, Germany needed up to f needed to fill up uh, their storages for the winter at the same time while having no intake. So so what happened is this that Germany bought like also. Um, LNG gas from like Spain because they had already some some LNG terminals and was transported through pipelines. I, I think I don't want like to to give you false information, but uh, what was happening there was a really real shortage on on gas and um, that was highly paid for for like pro the energy production. Um, we have like this. Um, this principle where all the energy costs like the most expensive one that's basically consumed at the same time. And in this case, it was it was like 60 cents for, for gas kilowatt hour. And um, that was also paid for all the other sources as well. So it was a crazy time and I hope that won't happen anymore. We have now some, some terminals to uh, before, like the whole, whole um, like Germany gets some more storage because we have abundance of, of uh, wind and uh, solar, but it can't be really stored. Uh, and uh, yeah, I hope that changes. And I will help to change that by basically consuming the energy when it's abundant. <laughs> Do it. Yeah. And actually, the storage thing, I actually have a. Uh, a lot more positive view on the future of energy storage because when EV batteries get too old, too you know they they lose capacity, so they don't yeah. have the energy density anymore. Yeah, um, they are now recycled by by putting them on solar farms and on wind farms because their energy density doesn't matter when it's like in a stationary building. That's true. That's true. So so yeah. yeah. So now we got. 10 or 12 years expectancy out of an EV battery and then they go live out the next 10 or 12 years on a solar farm or a, um, a wind farm yeah. providing capacity and then after that then hopefully you know 15 years from now we'll have a really good way to recycle the lithium from them yeah 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 I, 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 I saw projects like that yeah that's that's true and I was also surprised now um I got a little bit sidetracked with all that, but I, you you asked about the 
battery, the car battery. Yeah, that's um, fine. <laughs> um, I was also surprised when when I read the research that you can actually really get like up to 10,000 cycles out of a lithium iron phosphate battery. It has to be like the most influence is like how fast you discharge it. So um, like uh, C2 is still okay. There is like not a big difference be between like uh, like if you have let's say 30 kilowatt hours battery, if you discharge it with 60 kilowatt, it's still okay for the battery. You don't like destroy it. But if you do like 3C, so like 90 kilowatts, it's already like harming the battery life. That's and, right. And what has even more influence is the temperature. So if it's if it's getting too hot or too cold, like minus degrees, of course, harm the temperature. But um, there is like a sweet spot of like 25 degrees, which uh, I can imagine is some quite often not not like kept in cars if there is not like active cooling. So um, if the car is like really cheap, like the electric car with where the battery is not kept at the sweet spot of uh, temperature, um, I believe that the batteries will die way sooner than, than the difference can be in cycles. What what I saw in that research, research is it can make a difference from like um, the potential of like, let's say 8,000 cycles to only like 2,000 cycles, which is crazy. Yeah. If, yeah. it, get, if they are getting too hot or discharged too quickly. Just a quick interruption to talk about this episode's sponsor, PCBWay. PCBWay has been a long-term sponsor of the channel, and I think they're a good match for my channel because they provide quality PCBs for a reasonable price. You can get boards manufactured up to 100 mils by 100 mils for just $5, including shipping to Canada, 15 US dollars, including shipping to USA, 12 US dollars, which is incredibly cheap for professionally manufactured PCBs. I can personally attest to the quality of these PCBs, and so if you want a circuit immortalized forever, check out PCBWay.com with the link in the description. Now back to the conversation. You can buy these um, pre-manufactured lithium iron phosphate uh, cells that are shaped like a 12-volt battery and basically replace like a conventional 12-volt deep cycle battery. And some of those are made for um, ice fishing huts. I don't know if that's a big thing in Germany, but it's a huge thing in Canada. Uh, people go ice fishing a lot. Yeah. And um, the ones that are made for ice fishing, um, they have a heater inside and, oh, and it's an insulated box. Yeah. And so the energy needed to run the heater is actually more, uh, you're saving more energy running that heater than the self-discharge that the lithium iron phosphate batteries uh, feel in the cold. So you're, it's less energy to heat the battery from the battery than to just let the battery go cold and you have a capacity loss because of it. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, are, are they like, uh, what, what is the cost of a battery like that? So Probably one with a heater is uh, going to be about a uh, hundred amp hours. So let's say twelve volts. Uh, let's go twelve volts times a uh, hundred amps. So it's twelve, yeah, twelve hundred watt hours. It will cost probably around six to seven hundred dollars Canadian here. Mm, okay, yeah, that's 
Already Everything's expensive in Canada. Yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's Canadian dollars. I forgot. So what yeah. what is the exchange rate for US? Let me see. Twelve hundred CAD to USD. Um, that would be about nine hundred US dollars. Uh, well, what did I say? Twelve hundred. Six six hundred. So four hundred and fifty United okay. States. Okay. Yeah, that's. That's, so that's all not right. Too bad. That's that's not too bad because like some people complained like the battery pack that, that I reviewed they had that's too expensive for the energy density. It's like five kilo uh, kilowatt hours, and th that's the actually the biggest I I had so far, um, and I never bought like the bricks like the blue ones you know the, the <laughs> uh, lithium iron phosphate where you basically have to build everything around them. So yep. I, I can imagine people are asking me in the especially in the comments, why don't you just buy the the raw batteries and then build a pack yourself? But there is a lot that you can do wrong with that. So I mean you save probably like fifty percent of the cost. Uh, if you buy like the inverter and so on, the balancing system, uh, because there is a lot of stuff inside that you don't have to take care of and then you have like to build the battery pack like specifically you the compression is important so you have like to compress the batteries so they can like expand and then you have to insulate it you have to heat it like you, like you said or even cool it if you have in a garage and the garage gets like 40 degrees c in in the summer it's already bad for the batteries so yeah. there is a lot that you have to take care of and especially, I, I love to do it myself. I, I can, I can use like self-built batter, batteries for like my crazy vehicles that I build, but I would never attach it, like put it in the basement of my house because no insurance would pay if that like catches on fire. If no. I tell, yeah, some if I if I tell like if the house burns down and. Uh, basically, that's that's a huge cost because houses are expensive. Uh, the insurance company will will or or like the fire department will tell the insurance company, okay, uh, it burned down because this battery pack caught on fire or whatever. Or if there was a, like a short next to the battery pack, it doesn't have even to do anything with the battery pack, but the battery pack released all its energy and propelled the fire even more. Uh, then the insurance company will for sure refuse to pay because they say, oh, that wasn't certified. So, so funny story. Yeah. I, I just made the biggest purchase oh, ever no. for my channel. <laughs> I have $1,000 worth of these batteries coming to me. Oh, no. Put them in your garage. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Actually, my garage is probably worth more than my house at the moment since <laughs> I have a classic car in there. Oh, okay. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Which was, yeah. Um, but yes, basically, I am going to go through the process of, oh, of building a battery pack. But my plan is I'm going to put it in a metal box. Yeah, yeah. Basically. Not aluminum. Aluminum isn't, isn't, isn't good enough. But in fact, uh, lithium iron phosphate does not uh, catch True. fire in the same yeah. way as lithium ion. True. I, but I agree. You can discharge a ton of current the wrong way through, you know, either BMS or any yeah, PCB or yeah. stuff like that. So it is dangerous. I, yeah. I, I do agree. But I think it'll be, I think it'll be okay. But the, the biggest thing the is the right precautions. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. 
they're a lot safer than they than they were before. And if you do your research, and that's what I, I plan on. Yeah, safety first. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, other than that. Yeah, you probably have to insulate it, like use use like a stone wall or something like that. So, and if you put it like on on a concrete uh, base or something, and it, Aluminium is quite has, has low uh, melting point, so even iron will be better there. I think iron is, has a really high melting point, so if you use an iron box, it's better than than. Oh, aluminium. for sure. Yeah. And rock wool is not that expensive either. Yeah, yeah. And so that's not too bad either. Or you can get um, the fire bricks, like you know the. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah. For for like chimney or whatever. <laughs> or, or, uh, or uh, yeah. yeah, what do they call those? The the kilns. You can make yeah. yourself a kiln, but it's like a basically a fire foam or whatever, something like that. Yeah. So I'm not too concerned, but yeah, what what's nice is that I eventually want to to make a electric motor for for a boat, basically, and oh, so nice. that would be powering that. And on top of that, the thing that just tickles me is the fact that all week while I work. I can be collecting sun rays, right? 300 watts of solar oh, panel. Oh, yeah, yeah, true. And then I can take these batteries and bring them with me fishing, and I can go fishing for free, basically, free energy. That's true. That's true. Wow, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my plan. What, what plus, kind of motor will you will you use? It's just like, a, do you build it yourself, or is it like a boat one, like a typical electrical boat motor? So I have a trolling motor, so a, yeah. a slow, you know, uh, electric motor that I bought years and years ago. But the plan is to convert an alternator into a three-phase brushless motor. Oh wow! Okay. Um, which you can do fairly easily. Three-phase. Yeah. So uh, so an alternator has actually three windings on it. This is actually good information for you because I I know that you're you're into the. Uh, yeah. Uh, into electric transportation, uh, just um, you <laughs> yeah. know, I in Minecraft because it wouldn't be legal to do in Germany. Wink, wink. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, all right. But uh, yeah, you take an alternator and you take the the rotor out, which is a um, it's an electromagnet, and on the outside you have the stator, which is a uh, three phases of windings. Yeah. Which are then rectified by a full bridge rectifier. You have to add yeah. some effects there in your head, and then. Uh, regulated down to 14 volts DC approximately for your car. But if you cut the diodes out and you cut the regulator out and you replace the electromagnet on the rotor with permanent magnets, yeah. you can actually feed the three phases uh, of the stator with a brushless motor controller. And then you've got a giant brushless motor and they can handle, like even little ones can handle about 150 amps and the insulation wow. is high enough to deal with somewhere around 48 uh, to 60 volts. Oh, and wow, so okay. 60 volts at 150 amps, I mean, that's a that's a heck of a motor, right? Yeah. So that's the that's the thought. Well, that's the first first time I, I hear of this, that's such a conversion. Most of the time people use like washing machine motors or whatever. Yeah, which is also doable, but I just have some alternators kicking nice. around. Because okay, most cool. of the times in my profession, when you replace an alternator, it's that the uh, the regulator went bad, or the diodes, one of them blew or something, and they're not serviceable. They're like one way one way journey. If you open, yeah, the I, I know that I know this the, the pain. I had to change my alternator before 
and it cost me a lot every time. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And so basically, I have an access to nearly unlimited alternators, which are only worth the copper and the aluminum that they're made out of. And so, yeah, you can convert them. You know, it costs you, it might cost you about 60 or, or 80 bucks in neodymium magnets, the better, yeah. the more power you're going to get out of it. But to me, it's just amazing that if I wanted to buy a motor of the same power, it would probably cost me like four or $500, whereas this is like available for free, basically. Did you, did you consider using one for like a, a windmill or something? For, I mean, well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But the only thing is the alternator has to turn quite fast in order to produce mm. uh, voltage. So like if I had the space to to get like a reasonable size blade to get enough torque, then I would totally do it. But my my basically the lot where I live is tiny. So oh, okay. it's I'll tell you from fence to fence, it's uh, 30 feet. So about 10 meters yeah. from fence to fence. So it's tiny. Oh, but in all directions or? It's a, it's quite a bit longer than that. Um, yeah. It's probably like from the street to the end of the backyard. It's about, let's say, 100 meters, uh, 300 feet. But the thing is, the house occupies that space too. Like you can't get to my backyard without going through the house. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's basically similar to, to what we bought right now. But we uh, our our garden will be like on the hillside. So I don't know what to do with that. So maybe I have to, I, I can't take like my pocket bike and ride down like the hill or something that would be, I will break my my neck. Now I have probably to build like a flying machine or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <You could. laughs> But there is a lot of opportunity like to, to catch some wind up there, I think on top of the hill. What you could do too is you can um, uh, tie, you know, tie something to a rope and then like, run it down the hill with a generator to generate oh, electricity yeah. and then pull it back up. <laughs> yeah, that's. I wanted to try that because there's like this ridiculous uh, um, huge investment project with the concrete blocks where where you store basically energy like uh, in, in basically a crane that's that's pulling up concrete, stacking concrete blocks or something. Okay. Uh, and, and the energy that's you can store like that isn't very high, but it was so hyped that I really wanted to to like rebuild this because you can easily take just um, brushless controller that's that's capable of feeding back like the uh, vest controller and uh, any brushless motor like RC brush, brushless motor uh, as a generator and and try and see can I even charge my phone with with that. That would be interesting, like taking a huge like water tank or whatever and pull it up 10 meters in the air and then and then see, okay, how much energy is stored with that. That's uh, That would be a, actually a pretty good video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's on my list back there for years now. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you'll have the property to do it, right? Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. And do you expect to get any snow um, around where your new house is? Because oh, yeah. uh, flooding yeah, in the winter is quite fun. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, 
but that's steep. I think that will break break my neck there because it's like a terrace garden, like it's four terraces. Okay. Something like that, and uh, there is like a stairs on on the side of the property. So uh, I don't know. I have a sl I I got a sled this uh, Easter as a present. No. No, it wasn't East. I got it for for Christmas, but there was no snow anymore when I when I got this. So, um, and I want to use it because I'm like a, a big kid. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, and there is a lot of opportunity, but I I believe it's it's better to go like next to the house, not not like on the property. We have enough <laughs> enough space there. Look, um, we rambled a lot, so oh, I just yes. want to get to a couple of your uh, cool projects, the ones the ones that I in particular uh, find interesting. So uh, I do want to start with um, last year, last summer, you uh, built yourself a thruster for a stand-up board. Is this something you're going to revisit this year? Oh, yes, for sure. Okay, that, this, is, this is crazy because I, I wanted, I love the subs. Like, I got... The subs like sponsored, uh, which was really cool because I wanted to do something with that, and, um, and the the project was so so stupidly simple. Just taking the drill uh, uh, at the end, I had like I tried different stuff before. I did that with the drill. I have like different motors, and I uh, and I thought at the end, oh, why so complicated? You can just <laughs> just take a drill. Put a prop on, 3D print a prop, and and use that. Now we have like new prop technology. I have to check that out with the ribbon style props. You know. Yeah, I forgot what it's called, but it's like the the single. It looks like a bow tie almost. Looks yes, like a figure eight. Yes. Yeah. That that's cool. I I'm wondering how wasn't that invented invented before? So this is so crazy that we have like this jump in uh, performance. Uh, with with a, such a simple thing like that, if there wasn't something similar in the past, or w what happened that we didn't discover something like that before, so that's quite interesting. Maybe the manufacturing standards weren't up to building it. Like the like maybe like it it's forty percent more performance, but you know eight hundred percent higher price to sure. to manufacture. It could be sure. that kind of thing. Yeah, there was no three D like metal 3d printing wasn't like that common in that sizes before and probably now it is you had to like machine it complicated or something hmm. possibly might, might be the might be the the point now it's way easier to do that um yeah so uh after i did the video which was a lot of fun uh, i had a lot of fun with doing that i was contacted by blue robotics from california actually and they make uh, thrusters and basically they built some remote controlled submarines for okay. yeah they, they they make them like for um, research and, and whatever and they basically wanted to do a sponsorship with me they sent me like big thrusters two big thrusters that I can <laughs> I can use and and um, control us for that, and I promised them. Oh yeah, I I have a project. I want to do something like 
maybe not they said okay if if uh, we liked your sub project and i said okay yeah it's fine but that's that's quite simple i want to to do like this james bond diver torpedo like thing and i started to make that and i promised oh yeah i can do this by november <laughs> and i thought i thought i bought a neoprene and i thought oh last year the november was so warm it was like still uh 15 17 degrees uh temperature i can i can totally do it but then we had like super cold winter th this year so basically the lake was frozen <laughs> in november already and i couldn't do the project and i have still the trusters here in in the lab next to me and i really want to do something with them because i i think that that's like a huge improvement to what i printed last year um and uh, yeah there will be something i i hope i can do it in july because yeah obviously i have like to do a lot of work to move my lab to to a new home um but but i really want to use the summer to do another uh, water-based propulsion system and what way it will look i i don't know yet i started to uh, print like waterproof compartments that didn't turn out to be waterproof at the end so i did some research before but uh, i'm not finished with that yet I've got two suggestions. So okay. one is to make a simple one, just to hook up the thruster and you know have a have fun because you yeah. do have to have fun in your videos. But a part two of that would be cool if you can mount the thrusters, a couple of them, but on three hundred and sixty degree swivels, so you can have your stand up board go sort of front and back and even strafe oh, side to like, side, <laughs> like the huge ships. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, but. Oh, the the mounting. I mean, I have to l use some sort of belt system because the mounting on the subs because they change like the size. So it's not that simple to. I I can't really. I can maybe uh, attach one to one of the fins that's removable on the bottom. Um, otherwise, I would have to glue something to the sub. Or yeah. I need, need to like some some sort of belts that also expand because it's as soon as I pump it up, it it has some sort of size and then it shrinks a little bit if it gets colder, if the pressure changes or whatever. Um, it, it's not like super easy. It's it it's probably even easier to like build a boat and attach them to to like <laughs> wooden boat or whatever or uh, tree lock or something. I mean, at at this point, you could basically attach them to like a piece of uh, plastic, like uh, Lexan or polycarbonate yeah. or something, and then have all the mechanics on there, and then just strap it to the bottom of the sub. You know what I mean? True, true, true. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 what probably I I would do. Uh, but now I'm really like I over engineer, or or I get obsessed with the idea that I want like some sort of a diverse. Uh, propulsion <laughs> system and uh, yeah i bought even like a new um new action cam that's waterproof like this dgi thing to get like good footage un underwater <laughs> but when the lake was frozen that's that wasn't possible and i thought i'm not going in a frozen lake i will die 
<laughs> Did, are you thinking of having a vessel that'll go underwater or yeah you like yeah actually, oh, okay do you know the old james bond movies where they, they have like something that looks like a torpedo they you can just grab it hold to that like a diver and you get pulled by by the door. oh okay yeah, now i got you diving scooter or something you can i think it's even called diving scooter yeah they have I, those yeah yeah and i wanted one that has like a twist so um if you're just uh holding grabbing them you have two handles and if you uh to like rotate like twist at the handle it would steer one of the thrusters in a different direction so you have some sort of control even even though you are pulled by it i don't know if you can imagine that but i had like a, a, a an idea how to like make it slightly different so it has a new like uh twist but yeah I, at the end it will be amazing <laughs> oh yeah a bit loony uh, fake laugh <laughs> Or, or you can just wear a full tuxedo and then strap yeah. these things to your to your forearms, and then <laughs> you could be I your don't own vessel. Own a tuxedo anymore? I sold that. You'd, I, I, you'd I have to rent that. one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then give it back. Like, what? It's soaked with some murky water. What did you do? And you say there's a fish in the breast pocket too. Oh yeah, <laughs> still flapping. <laughs> Oh boy. So yeah, I'm looking forward to your, to your water projects. Um, I'm wondering though, can you explain to me? Cause I've been, I've been gone for the last, uh, two months, basically working on a contract for the school and my viewers have noticed this cause I haven't released a video in over two months. Um, can you explain? So what are you doing with these risk five microcontrollers? Oh for yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something, I mean, um, You'd have to I'm explain not, it very simply for people who uh, are like me and not particularly well versed in this kind of stuff. It it has like a, a history. I think I I might um, want to explain. Okay, so there is this Risk Five microcontroller which has like the flash and has like microcontroller capabilities which can control like hardware stuff and it's super cheap like it's 10 cents a piece and like the ones that i use are probably around 13 cents because they have more pins but actually they are really cheap and um, the risk 5 architecture is, is an open architecture like open source there's like um if someone wants to produce a risk 5 microcontroller they don't need to pay like fees um license fees to arm or uh, whatever in uh, intel or, or what what all these architectures where where they are coming from and that's why china started to produce a lot of microcontrollers and um, based off this architecture. And also you can, like if you're coming from like FPGA developments and so on, there are also, you can put this architecture on an FPGA and test it and so on. So there are a lot of possibilities like, um, so what, what I see is that since it's, open source and you can basically develop or extend this architecture by yourself like like you and me 
you can get an FPGA for 20 bucks and uh, a board, a complete board that you can program and test, or you can even emulate it or whatever. You can, you can make an, your own processor at home and basically like distribute it afterwards or whatever. So there is a, a development going on um, which, which is way faster than the development cycles of closed uh, architectures. Because now the whole world is contributing to the development of this architecture because it's open and it's free and um, and it's I think there is a future for 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 risk five processors and uh, probably it will dominate like I mean now it seems like arm is dominating like the arm architecture and uh, they're quite related in some ways and since there is a lot more development and uh, it's more encouraged to do so because you can do it openly uh, and share like open source is also growing way faster or whatever than closed source um, i think there is the future for that and that's why i wanted to try something risk five based i mean there are also esp uh, uh, microcontrollers that are risk five based but I wanted something really cheap. And now that um, that's even available like for 10 cents and it's quite capable. It has like 48 megahertz and it, it's, it's, it has like cool driving capabilities. So it doesn't have a lot of uh, RAM or um, flash is okay. It's 16 kilobytes of flash. It's two kilobytes of, of SRAM, which is also, which is more than like old PIC microcontrollers or whatever, or, uh, 80 tinies it's comparable to that and the driving capabilities are cool because you have like um, 5 and 3 uh, 2.3 volts uh, um, compatibility on the pins and um, they are quite I really abused it already I, I uh, put the, like the polarity wrong way around I I did everything to this process I didn't manage to break one yet <laughs> yet yeah Not yeah and uh, the only thing is they are quite hard to program you need like this one wire interface so you need at least one programmer to do to do so but uh, charles lore is currently uh, developing like this uh, bit banked usb for that usb low speed um which is really cool because i wanted to do this as well i but i'm drowned in other projects and other stuff uh, and I have already boards that that are basically just waiting. They have USB ports and they are connected to the MCU the right way. And uh, now they can I can use like <laughs> uh, the implementation from Charles basically to use the USB on that. So you get even like USB uh, for those like 80 tiny set the same development uh, in the past. So and they are quite cheap. And I thought, OK, if they are cheap, I mean, it costs me nothing like to put like 10 of those on one board. Okay, I can I can put 16 of those because 16 is a way nicer number than 10. And it's still like cheap. It's like below $2 to, to put it on a, on a board. And then I can test like, oh, what can you do with, with like this um, a bus system? So I wanted to develop a bus system so they commun can communicate and 
and they have some outputs and they have some ADCs, so I can convert analog voltage uh, quickly, all in parallel on those. So I made this super cluster project, um, which has like one bigger MCU, which is from the same company, uh, WCH. You probably have a board that has one chip of, of, of them at home. <laughs> already probably i've got yeah. boards yeah they they made stuff. like the usb to serial bridges basically all the uh usb to serial bridges nowadays are from from wch and um yeah so i have one bigger one that's controlling like um the smaller ones and there is a bus they can communicate and that's what i did and then i thought okay yeah i made the super cluster you can plug it in it's on a four by four centimeter board and you can basically plug it in uh, and it's tileable so um, if you put many next to each other you can basically make a huge wall of of those because each of the processes have like the microcontrollers have one led and the other the other uh, gpios are basically routed out through connectors so I had already in mind to use more than 16. So I made like this uh, mega cluster now, and which consists like of a stack of a stack of a stack of, of uh, stuff. And they, I have now like one with 256 MCUs and it's still like, that was already a little bit more expensive, but it's still manageable. It's like, if you see it like that, it's $50 of MCUs and you have like a supercomputer with 256 cores. And that's what I call uh, clickbait-driven development. Because people, <laughs> are, <laughs> people always ask me, the first things, uh, thing that people ask me about this project when I go live stream, what, what can you do with that? Or why did you make this? And I say, I, I made it because I can. <laughs> and and it's, there is no like, uh, risk five processor or rarely any processors that have such so, so many cores that you can play around with except for graphics card basically which are like the individual computing units and uh, yeah I'm curious what what you can do with that I, I'm just curious and I want to explore it and um, the, this mega and the super cluster they have like this edge board connectors so you can basically plug in like an extension card with graphics or brain uh, brain interface or whatever because I have so many analog uh, inputs I can attach electrodes to my to my head on, and try to make like an AI or whatever learn teach it like to interpret my brain waves or something that that would be a cool project that I can imagine doing with that so are you saying that this risk 5 architecture yeah. is like, are you saying that these little chips that you're installing, could you use them a little bit like an FPGA? Like, is that is that what you're saying? You can kind of mold them to whatever? Is that how that works? Oh, no, uh, I didn't think of like something like that. But you can you can do some sort of like distributed system. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't think think of them like like an FPGA, but it's basically. Basically, it's it's like that. So you have many ALUs, like on. 
Yeah, in interesting view. I didn't, I didn't yeah, see well, it like that. But it's like a distributed system. I mean, FPGAs are basically uh, also a distributed system, and the routing basically happens all automatically. You don't have to take care of that, and you, yeah, usually. So, yeah. so then you're saying it's more like if you had a tough calculation to make, you could divvy it up to a bunch of these uh, micros at the same time. Um. Yes. Um, <laughs> you see, I know nothing about this. No, <laughs> this no, 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 level. no, no. It's 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 basically I I need to come up with something because I have no plan. <laughs> no, uh, it's it's like um, what you would like parallel computing. That's what you think about. Like uh, I can. I mean, I will try to if I. Uh, make a graphics card for that. I can try to like calculate a fractal or whatever and basically attach like uh, make it distributed so each of the cores is calculating like a block of, of image that's displayed on, on the screen. That's that's what's happening also with the graphics card nowadays. Gotcha. If you're like using Blender or whatever and rendering an image, uh, basically like one unit on the on the GPU takes over a part of the ray tracing or whatever. And uh, that's like distributed calculation. And uh, you can also try, uh, or I can try now then to put like a hash uh, calculation on each of the uh, cores and see, oh, how good, good is it for Bitcoin mining or whatever? I was going to say, my yeah. intrusive <laughs> thoughts are bringing me to Bitcoin mining, but you know, that's like the worst thing that happens Even in the environment. <laughs> I, I can, I can imagine, I can imagine, not if you run it from solar, like free that's energy. True. Yeah. That's what, what uh, Julian is doing. He has this uh, Bitcoin shed, which is basically powered from solar and he gains like uh, all the coins and altcoins <laughs> and whatever. It's like a penny a day. <laughs> is it? I don't know. I, I don't. I, I, I can imagine he is like some ASICs uh, calculating. So th there's some some quite powerful hardware that he has in, in the shed. So I can imagine on before it was like so saturated. He made some some nice uh, coins there. Yeah. Yeah. He imagine. showed his uh, yeah. his monetary gains, um, but because it? because he's basically filling up batteries and then flushing them to the miners, the the miners don't have it like a continuous run, and so yeah, he only ends up finishing like a penny or two of calculations every run or something like that. Oh, okay, okay, that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's doing like fill, fill and flush, basically. But you know, the crazy thing is he has enough solar panels now because he's got a rooftop uh, yeah. set up. So he's got enough solar panels now that he could uh, mine continuously on his uh, his over his overage. But I think he's just slowly and surely developing a way to charge his car with the excess and he doesn't care about it. He, I mean, to him, I think the deal was to heat up the shed and the Bitcoin is secondary. Yeah, true. You just you're just producing heat. That's that's true. And I, I think I mean it's a viable viable method if you're not using like a, a heat pump or whatever. Um, if you just instead of just turning on a heater like a huge resistor, <laughs> yeah, you can basically use also an ASIC miner for that. But I I I assume like the risk even the 256 cores will be worse at at Bitcoin mining or crunching numbers and whatnot than a regular Pentium processor. 
Oh, probably. Yeah. Like, I'm hoping if I generate an excess of solar here, because I'm not going to tie to the, with my project with the lithium iron phosphate batteries, I'm not going to tie to the grid. In Canada, it's just, it's a lot of regulation that you have to follow and stuff like that. So for me, it's going to stay DC or maybe I'll power things directly from it. But if I have an overage, I think it would be really cool to, to run a small computer and do folding at home where it um, basically does Bitcoin mining. But instead of Bitcoin mining, you're checking the folding of proteins for, uh, for research purposes, which would be really cool because there's been some major breakthroughs uh, with that. Oh, really? Yeah, I participated in folding at home for, for a while. Um, I, but I stopped like when the energy prices were so high last year. I, I oh, yeah. couldn't justify basically uh, this this running all the time. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Of course. So, what what kind of developments were there in from folding at home? What what did they discover? Um, there's a I'd have to I'd have to Google it again, but there's a few articles about how a few of the protein things led to um, discoveries in treatment of uh, certain diseases. I'm I'm not sure about the details. Not enough to talk about it on a podcast, at least, but. It has been doing some good in the scientific community, which is great. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, really cool. interesting stuff. Yeah, folding at home. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so a chance that I see where this can be actually useful. I have like a new version of that. I showed that on MakerCast, which is basically one board that's that's populated like by JSC with, or, 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 or PCB way in this case. Uh, you can use whatever manufacturer you like. Um, so it's it's easily manufacturable. It has like one thing that I need to change to completely let it. Uh, you just need to solder like connectors or whatever, and it has like thirty two cores. So you can play around with that, and that's that should be like in the production cost as as high like as a regular microcontroller board. So. Um, I, I see like this is something that you can play around and um, there is like with this extension card slots I can imagine that could be like grow to a community thing like where people are just sharing their extension cards whatever they are doing because I mean the 32 cores they are still fast you can do audio with like 32 channels or whatever or even more like crazy synthesizer stuff or like with the analog stuff. So what I said before, like the brain interface, that would be interesting because you have like mm, uh, with one of the boards, like 32 channels, like with the big, the, the mega cluster has like 1,280 GPIOs and it's 256 ADCs. So it's, it's I, I, I see a chance, maybe I will even like try to do some of the sonar, sonar scanner stuff uh, that I still didn't finish, like the newest version of that. <laughs> and uh, but unfinished product projects forever. Huh? That's yeah. our life. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I I think. Like phased arrays can be done with that um, if they're timed right, and there is a chance to doing that with with this. Uh, I think like even the. The design of Starlink antennas, there are like many little, little like also QFN, basically the same size that I have like on the new one. Um, 
there are many, many like small processors that are probably just uh, synced. And so the phased array is, is distributed, not like one core is doing all the inputs at once. They're just processed and crunched down and then, then like in pyramid thing, uh, processed down to to um, the stream of data that's that's coming out of that system. It's it's a little bit complicated, I think, but um, yeah, it's very cool though. Which uh, <laughs> yeah. which micro are you specifically using? Is the CH thirty two V three hundred? Is that it? And uh, no, it's the zero uh, zero three. So the CH thirty two V zero zero three and the QFN uh, twenty pin version is what I'm what I'm using nowadays. So on the mega cluster I used like the the one with the legs, but this is terrible to solder. I like QFN way more and they're way smaller. So you can pack pack your PCB. Uh, and that's that's the one. It's they they're quite cheap. Yeah, I'm seeing here in Canadian dollars, if you buy fifty or more, it's uh twenty seven cents each. So that's pretty cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They must have gone up in price though, since mm. everything else did. No, uh, no. I uh, it's like if you buy them on Ali, you get them from WCH directly. But uh, the price is like they have like an up mark. I think I paid like eighteen dollar cents or something uh, when I bought okay. two hundred. No, I bought three hundred. Um, and um, but. Um, you can get them also from, no, you can't get them from LCC, but I uh, basically contacted WCH and I, if you buy a reel, you can already get like 14 cents. And, oh, that's not bad. Yeah. And you can get even like, if you're, if you're like a maker, um, WCH even has like a Discord and one of the developers he can hook you up with like free samples and so on. So if you are actually developing something for for these processors, you get really support right now because they see the chance that that the maker community is able like to build something with that that's that's actually useful and is representative of the capabilities of uh, the device. That's really cool. I uh, I wish I had talent in that field, but um, programming. Yeah, programming and I, we don't get along. You know, we got together too young and uh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I struggle with that as well. I mean, I, I still didn't manage the mega cluster to work. So two, two failed streams. It was so painful that I gave up and tried to do VGA again last, last stream. <laughs> and that failed again. I'm so frustrated <laughs> with the streams right now. You I, were saying too on the MakerCast that your your eyes are starting to hurt from the the pink LEDs oh, yes. flashing at all times. <laughs> so so I used the pink LEDs and I calculated to use like twenty milliamps of of power for the for the for each of the LEDs and they are constantly blinking. So you have at all times you have like one hundred twenty seven LEDs at twenty milliamps and that's quite bright. And my eyes are starting to hurt, even even though I don't look at it all the time. It's, it's just next to me on the desk, and and basically my eyes are hurting. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. Maybe they're emitting like ultraviolet light. So I got like a link from one of the viewers for some UV testers. I I should really test for UV uh, on on those LEDs. 
I have to say, I have sensitive eyes, and so I tend to run my LEDs at like four or five milliamps. I know you can run twenty, yeah, but yeah, I run mine like indicator brightness because I just, especially red LEDs, they're vicious because they um, they have a lower forward voltage, right? Yeah, true. So they get freaking bright with uh, with just a little current. Oh yeah, on the new board, like this uh, 32 uh, uh, risk board, I put also red LEDs and a way higher resistor, basically because I want the LED that you can use the LED GPIO for something else as well on the bus. Not not on the bus, but on the on the extension cards. So you have like full eight bits for each processor that you can that are usable. So this LED uh, pin is shared and I didn't want the voltage to drop much if there is this LED attached. And I used like a, I don't know, a few hundred or a thousand. Yeah, that's that's probably one kilo ohm and it's still so bright. Yeah. The if red I run, ones are really bright. Yeah, if I run red, it's like a 10K usually. Really? Just, oh, it just okay. needs to glow so I know it's on because yeah, it's uh, my I have um, uh, I guess uh, I have photosensitivity. My eyes are I have uh, light colored eyes, and apparently people with light colored eyes they have a high chance of having photosensitivity. Like on the highway, if someone is coming in my direction and they have their high beams on, I'm effectively blind for like thirty seconds oh, after. Oh wow! It's a pain in okay. The and so, yeah, I, I try to, to drop down the, the, the LEDs in current, that's for sure. Oh, but and oh, and about your, your UV, I have some high CRI LEDs here for filming. Yeah. And I have a box, a yellow box that's been sitting underneath them for about a year. And the box is almost white now. So there must be UV on these <laughs> LEDs at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The high, the high color, color uh, representation is uh, probably going far into into blue, blue and purple and UV. Oh, very likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you get your UV testers, I'd be curious to see what kind of results you get I didn't just from LEDs. I didn't oh, okay, okay. Yet, yet I have like now, I I spent so much so much money on on AliExpress. That I was so shocked. I I don't I rarely buy anything right now. I just need to move my lab and reduce myself. I even want to sell my pick and place machine because there is oh, no, no space. <laughs> yeah, I'm not using it basically since I stopped selling on Tindy. I think Dude, the issue with that kind of stuff, though, is that I don't think like what are the odds that someone within driving distance of you will have a use for it. Yeah, it's, like it's hard. It's hard to to like sell, I guess. I don't know. I will see. I will keep it as long as uh, nobody wants it and then maybe repurpose it. I, I used it quite. It, it was quite cool to use it for for like the sonar scanner project. So I could map out uh, the the response of, of the phased array. Uh, that was great. But yeah. Now I have also the Carvera, which is like with the servo motors, uh, way more precise. So I'm I'm thinking if I can uh, make the Carvera uh, convert it like somehow or make an extension to uh, use as a pick and place machine, that would be cool because uh, that has quite some good precision. Just add it to the pile, right? Yeah. <laughs> the to-do pile. <laughs> 
I don't know, too many projects. Too many yeah. projects. But that's how we live, right? It's like, yeah. it, it feels like that's that's our life force as makers. If, you know, the, the moment where we run out of projects, that's that's the moment where we're done in this on this earth, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it's never get, it never gets boring. And now also, I mean, we had it on MakerCast yesterday, like the ASIC stuff. Uh, I also like took part on the tiny tape out stuff. And I hope, I hope um, the, the, I get the, like the A6, my first project on the A6. Actually, it's three contributions that I made to that. Um, like in August is like the earliest that we can probably expect it to be finished. That development is so crazy. That will be comparable, in my opinion, to like when it started to be cheap to get like PCBs from China. I can imagine at some point we will move in the same direction with like making own silicon chips. Like just put them on there like a combined open source project. Um, and then you can just configure the, the IC to, to enable your design and do whatever you, you have there. I have a project lined up with that. Um, so I designed a persistence of vision processor, basically, that displays text and graphics. And I hope it works. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, I tested it with an FPGA, but I'm not sure if um, if everything like converts to ASIC as, as I planned, because it's quite dense. I think my project was on Tiny Tapo 2 was the highest utilization of the space. Uh, yeah, I, I, over 60%, which is really uncommon. So what, what happens there if you have like, um, you have like a hardware description language and um, what, what it generates is some kind of cells and those have to be like distributed on on the, the ASIC, so like on the silicon. And then it has to be wired and the signals have to be amplified and all this stuff is happening like organically. Like it's like a grid that's um, optimized to uh, like, so the signal strength is good enough for the communication between the individual cells and it's quite hard like to utilize a lot of the silicon because quite often you have like this amplification stuff in between you have to like it, it, it's like really really hard to get the the ICs dense with the open source tools that we got right now and uh yeah they, it optimized for hours on one of the projects because i wanted to put on like a squeeze in a complete uh, ASCII character set. And I only managed to do like um, the whole alphabet plus um, the digits and some some like, uh, like colon and so on. I managed actually to put a like a ROM of, of a character set on the ASIC and um, also some memory, which is we didn't have like a standard cell with a lot of memory where you can use like a RAM block or whatever uh, that wasn't available or I didn't know how to do it. So 
I used like deep flip-flops, which are basically units that can store one bit of data. And I used quite a lot of those and I squeezed it all in this project and I increased just the memory. I tested it, let it run for like half an hour, it optimized utilization 50%. And I said, okay, if that works, maybe more RAM will work. And I increased that and it optimized for one hour and then it worked and then I, okay, more RAM. And when it stopped, I knew, okay, this is the limit that I can squeeze in this, uh, this ASIC uh, design. You know how at the beginning of the podcast, I said you were absolutely nuts in the types of videos you make? It's I'm not just... a video. It's just a project that's not documented yet. <laughs> I know, I know. But this is, the, this is your thing. You keep, you build up, you build up, you build up. You have to go like further and further and yeah. further. And then yeah, your videos madness. go nuts. Oh, that's madness. <laughs> yeah, it unfortunately, I, I, uh, it's, it's so hard to make a good video. I mean, you mentioned uh, this Sona Scanner stuff. And if you consider that, that's a little bit YouTube meta, but if you consider that I had like, I worked on that video alone three months and um, what I gained from that monetarily is not worth like three months of work, but I gained a lot of like uh, appreciation because a lot of people watched that video and enjoyed it. And I'm really proud of it because it's, actually like substantial and i could like show with simple things how how other things work it's like stem and, and whatnot uh, so but it's rare that i can pull that off that i can take like three months of my time and uh like re-record because i had like this water scenes i had to re-record them like two times because if you set this all up that, that's a fu funny story because I set this all up and then uh, I set up the, the, the solenoid uh, machine that would activate it, the, the, the waves and so on. And I set this up and then um, I did everything and then I recorded. And then during the edit, I, I just saw the reflection on the reflection of the water surface. There was so much dust and I record in, eight, uh, in 4K and it was like full of dust and it looked horrible. And I thought, oh, wow, I have to re-record this. I, I can't use this footage. And I did it again. I set the camera up. And uh, it's not like I'm doing a lot of like, I don't know, workshop stuff in, in the lab here. And I set it up. And as soon I had the water there, the dust started to accumulate on the on the water surface. It was like one dust particle, two. Like by the second, there was like more and more dust. So every shot that I took, I had to take like um, a paper towel and pull it through the water su surface to collect <laughs> all the dust stuff. And I just threw this this uh, wet tissue just on a pile next to to the, the whole setup. So like I had a bucket and, and a pile of, of wet tissues there. And every, every shot that I made during the recording of the scene, uh, the pile increased. So you didn't see that, but, but there was like, everything was so messy. Everything was wet and there was a pile of, of wet tissues to just to get like a, 
recording of the this this setup without dust particles on the surface. There are still some, but it's okay. <laughs> this is why you need like some behind the scenes footage. You need like someone to follow you around and uh, film the making of. Yeah, but this is this is crazy because you wouldn't understand. Oh, I I can't like <laughs> I can't take the time to explain. Oh yeah, I have like dust particles and I need to like pile up this huge and I don't have time to like put the tissues anywhere else because every second that I don't do anything, don't record, they, there is more dust on my water surface. You needed to just record inside of a tent, I think. Yeah, some, <laughs> so, some sort of like, uh, uh, how do you call it? Um, the tank like a clean room. room. Oh, yeah, clean room with overpressure or something. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But see, this is what I mean. You're, you're psychotic in the best way. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but it also takes time. So it's, it does. It it has advantages and also disadvantages. Yeah, yeah the videos that take me the longest uh, typically are the ones that that get the fewest views. Oh, that's so painful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I make a twenty minute video rambling about charging batteries, half a million views. I make a, you know, a, basically a two week long how to use a multimeter thing edited down as short as i can possibly get it and it gets like two thousand views oh yeah i feel that pain the pocket bike video was was not well viewed i know that's nonsense that's a fantastic video yeah but you know what i i just saw i just uh, um that there are so many similar projects on on uh youtube like of kids just motorizing bicycles or whatever that i i think like this this topic is saturated and um you can't convince someone like just with the cover and the title to watch yet another motorized small bike uh project and that's that's basically the the issue with like there needs to be i i mean i hate clickbait myself but this is how youtube's youtube works right now and uh, it's bad if you don't have like a novelty uh, that you show um then you have to rely on your core audience that's that's watching every single video of you. and um, unfortunately that's not sometimes not enough like to to get like uh paid by by youtube properly for sure uh, for sure. That's why click-driven based development is invented. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's that's kind of it, right? Um, when I was in university, I went to I went to university uh, sort of to tr- look for a new career a while ago, and uh, I took um, social sciences. And they were they were this is, one of my professors was telling me that you should write about your expertise. You know, so in our case, it would be like make videos about what we like making videos on. But he he was saying uh, you you wait for a current event as a hook to hang your story on, and so you make your story relate to the current event, and that's a little bit like what we do as YouTubers: is that you have a project in mind, but you need a sort of clickbaity like something enticing to hook your video idea around, and I think I think that's it, right? Like I like I think the renewable energy projects are really cool, but you kind of need to sell it in a different way. You need a, you need the right hook. Right. And so it's like, 
um, you know, saving money, kind of everyone understands that. But how about like pocketing profit or whatever? That's, you know, that's more enticing than saving money, you know, stuff like that. Oh, I tried different different covers and different titles for that. And I asked even like ChatGPT to generate some. It came up with quite, quite cool and condensed uh, topics. But at the same time, when I changed the topic, um, I assumed there was like um, something triggered in, uh, on, on YouTube where it detected I added also some some um, tech words uh, like the keywords for that that uh, I asked ChatGPT for. I just gave it a script and say uh, give me some some keywords for for uh, search engine optimization or whatever. And it came up with quite like uh, on topic keywords, and I put them in in the description and. Basically, after that, YouTube tanked my video. It's, it's like it's prop. It's, it's like I I can see it. Like it didn't show my video to to anymore. It didn't su- suggest my video anymore. So it seems like YouTube is working on some sort of AI detection because there is a lot of spammy like generated content currently on on uh, YouTube. And it might have like detected that like as as a AI generated video or whatever. That's why uh, it wasn't suggesting the video to anyone else. Very interesting. Yeah. So uh, apparently, I wouldn't. I I would be like careful to to use like AI generated content uh, right now on YouTube because then you might be flagged at the end and then, and then not get any views at all. Well, let's reverse that. So yeah. um, <laughs> which which video was the most affected by this? Uh, the last one with the with the solar and the power bank. But also people said, okay, we had so many power banks in the recent time, we don't want to watch it. At, at the I same time, the click, think. yeah, but at the same time, the click-through rate is still like above 5%. And uh, basically, when my videos die, it's it's a, at about three uh, percent. So the click-through rate is like if you your cover or title is shown somewhere, how likely is it that the person clicks on the video? And that's that's like for my videos usually, like if a video is new and it's just shown to like people that already watched my videos, that starts at like ten percent and then. Five um, percent is still good, so it's ongoing. And then basically, YouTube starts uh, stops uh, showing the video to to people when it's it reached like three percent. And this video is still at five percent; it's not shown to people. So uh, I'm gonna put a link in the description oh. of this uh, podcast, and everyone go click. But actually, watch it because if you click and then you yeah. only watch like 30 seconds and go away, that's actually a bad metric. Do not do that. Actually, actually, I don't care. But thank you very I much care. for, I, I, I really, I I have distanced myself from, from the video already because it's too painful if you like put in some, some work or whatever and uh, like edit for a week or, and then, and then it's uh, basically, I mean, it's not that bad. It's like uh, it soars at, 11k views right now but it's far from like this default performance it's like my least performed 
performing video from like a year or whatever <laughs> right now. So uh, yeah, I I have to like to not attach my my uh, self confidence or whatever to to a singular single video. The show must go on for sure. For sure, because if we were just the result of our last videos, then oh, wow. um, yeah. I would have been dead a couple months ago. <laughs> <laughs> Some more YouTube meta, yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, do you have anything to tease in the upcoming uh, couple weeks, couple months, maybe? Oh, wow. I'm promising so much and uh, not delivering so much. Yeah, I teased already that I want to do this like water or pro propulsion based uh, project. Every every summer, I like to do stuff outside. So there's certainly something coming. Um, and of course, I have to somehow finish the super cluster or at least one, uh, the mega cluster project. And I want to publish something on that. Um, and uh, yeah, I have this VGA stuff coming again. So for S3, ESP S3, uh, 32 S3. Um, there is like, because that's not compatible with like my VGA library that I made before for Arduino. Um, I'm, I have to rewrite it because many things changed and I have a board that I designed that also needs a few changes, but that will be also, um, upcoming video. And so I would say. Uh, if people out there have a couple extra bucks to spare, because we do know that you did buy a house or are buying a house. Yeah. Um, so hit up uh, Bitlooney's Patreon page, which is linked in the description below. Oh, wow. If Thank you, got, you. If you've got a couple bucks to spare, then that's a good way to do it. Do you also do GitHub sponsors? Yes, I have GitHub sponsors, but only three right now or something. <laughs> so you can join the exclusive club of being yeah. GitHub sponsor number four. And um, there's no guarantees that you can share a uh, fondue with Bitlooney on his live streams, but you can certainly watch them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, do you know Wintergarten? Winter uh, yes. Yeah. So he has like a community meetup coming up on... Uh, on August uh, in that's actually in Germany and I was invited to join them and I will go there and I will be also on the make affair so there's actually a chance like to get a fondue I don't know if we will have fondue but uh, actually like to and and apparently like this event happens at um, beginning of August where the birth, actual birthday of my channel is, like on 3rd of August is the birthday of my channel. And I still don't know what I will do, but I will do at least a live stream on the main channel, which usually doesn't happen that often. Uh, and I will be on the Winter Wintergarten event with an LED wall. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. So, so around uh, like beginning of August, there will be things happening. And if someone like uh, is like around Europe or whatever and goes to the Wintergarten or a Maker Fair, the Hannover Maker Fair, I'm also there with, and I'm taking the LED wall with me as well. I will be there and you can meet me there as well. Then is this going to be a, a, a trip that you're going to get a donor again? Sorry? Are you going to get a donair once you're there? Oh, doner? No. Doner, I get usually in, uh, yeah, I get doners everywhere. <laughs> also in Hannover, we had a great doner last time uh, when on the, at the Maker Fair. But usually the most doners I get in, in Berlin. 
I don't have plans for Berlin yet, but I love to go to Berlin. I don't know. I will, maybe. I, I have no, no, no plans yet. But yeah, Hannover and uh, Wintergarten community meetup is certain that I will go. That's awesome. If I were in that part of the world, I would definitely be going. Yeah, at some point we will meet, I hope. You should come visit Canada. I'll show you around. You can pick your time. You want to come in the summer when it's plus 40 or do you want to come in the winter when it's minus 40? You know what? I have a guilty pleasure. I'm watching Gold Rush a lot, but that's like nothing. <laughs> that's, that's not close. <laughs> I am I'm closer will, to you than I am to there. Oh really? Oh okay. <laughs> almost. Almost. It's but, halfway around the country the, the world. I will bring my gold pen if I can't visit <laughs> you. Oh god. Yeah, that's that's so environmentally so so horrible, but it's a guilty pleasure. I love to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we all damage the environment just by existing. The important thing is that you acknowledge the damage you do and you try not to do any excess stuff. That's yeah. that's the important part. Yeah. Don't feel guilty because you're damaging the environment. Our existence damages it. We try to influence the people the right direction by solar panels. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, buy solar panels and um preferably don't keep them in your basement like me and use them. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's negative that's negative co2 or or positive co2 and that's right so um yeah so thank you so much for taking your time and coming onto the podcast and saving me from um doing some work in booking a guest because you kind of just accepted at the last minute there oh it's always a pleasure to be to be here so yeah anytime you want to come back you come back but uh yeah i hope people get the opportunity to uh come say hi and shake your hand in public oh yeah yeah uh, it's yeah i'm a friendly guy i'm really not like a celebrity or, or anything if you don't don't be shy around me I, i'm just a goof and, and he likes donner don't forget Duna, yeah we can go eat dinner together yeah <laughs> all right thank you so much and uh folks i hope you guys will check out uh, bitlooney's channels uh linked in the description live streams uh, on BitLooney Live, uh, main channels on BitLooney. Check out his Patreon and his GitHub sponsors. Thanks for listening, everyone. I'll catch you on the next one.